0: Let's go to our text as I pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to be your servant, uh, to be the bond servant of these fine brothers and sisters here at Bethel. And I pray, God, that uh, your word will go forth. It won't be my words, but it's your word will go forth and change people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus, this is the text that I began with last week. Pharisees were, and leaders, uh, chief priests were hanging around him, asking him questions. Now, having been questioned in, in Luke 17, 20, now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. What he means is like great things in the heavens. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is here now. Jesus began and ended his ministry speaking of the kingdom of God. Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven. Most of the other gospels use the term kingdom of God. Here's, they're essentially the same thing the difference being that the, key, the term or the phrase kingdom of heaven focuses on the origin of this new nation or this new kingdom. That's the origin. It is a heavenly origin. It is of the heavenly realm. The kingdom of God, that term focuses on the person who is the ruler of the kingdom, God himself. You know, it's interesting that the Bible never defines the kingdom, but it does illustrate it. And so I went through all these different uh, uh, parables that Jesus gave about the kingdom of God is like. And one that I want to just reiterate here is the kingdom of God. He said it's like a mustard seed. Supposedly, I have never seen a mustard seed other than you can look it up on the Internet. I've never held one in my hand. Unless Anita has some mustard seed spice. Maybe I saw some. (laughs) It's a small, very tiny seed, but yet it produces a very large plant. And what I get out of that size does not limit potential power. And here's the thing interesting. I'm a gardener and many of you guys are gardeners. I like talking about gardens and planting and seeds and things like that. And here's an interesting thing about gardening. You can, you can take a seed and put it in the ground and it be buried and nothing happened for days. That you see. But at some point, and I don't know when that is because it's in the ground, it's hidden. But at some point that seed does what's called germinates. It breaks the shell of the seed and comes forth still underground, it's still hidden. You don't know that it's there. It's not until it breaks through the earth they, "Oh, there it is. The kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. It, uh, it, sometimes it's hidden for a while. It's been there forever. God planned it. Jesus broke through, and at just the right time, that seed comes up at just the right time, Jesus appeared. At just the right time, everything is falling into place. You have to trust that. The point of that parable seems to be that while the kingdom of God may appear to have insignificant and unnoticeable beginnings, it will someday, someday, come to fruition and fulfillment and be absolutely tremendous, great, and quite expansive. He goes on, he said, it about it was like leaven. Leaven permeates the entire uh, loaf or dough. God's kingdom one day is going to permeate the entire world. It may not see it now, but it will, trust me. He talks about a man casting a seed on the ground, similar to the mustard seed, like a hidden treasure in a field. You know, there should be nothing that we would not sell to possess the treasure of the kingdom of God. We should sell out to possess the treasure of the kingdom of God. He says, it's like a merchant looking for a fine pearl. Same principle here. Like a dragnet cast into the sea, gathering every kind of fish. The kingdom of God is not limited to just a certain type of person. It's not limited. You know, we think that we have to be this certain way. And Pastor Stephen and I talked about this You know, some people think, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that before I can come in. No, you don't. Just come. Everyone's welcome. Come into the kingdom. And I'm going to to end this message today with an invitation to do that and how to make that happen. So it's like a landowner who went out early in the morning and hired people for his work in his vineyard. Again, no one's excluded. He just, you know, just and just because you're first in the family to accept the Lord doesn't mean that you're better than the last to accept the Lord. That's an important truth. Not only is that true for you, but just because God has blessed America, and I believe that He has, He's hired us first. It doesn't mean that we are any better than any other countries who come in last. God loves them just as much and we will pay them just as much as he paid us. Uh, it can be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. The king's invitation was ignored. The original invitees, in this case, were the, was Israel. They ignored it and uh, they rejected the invitation. So the king said, all right, since Israel has rejected me, you go out and find as many as you can. I don't care where they come from or who they are. You do that. Uh, in fact, in the Matthew 21, Jesus tells the chief priests and the Pharisees uh, this parable of the wicked farmer or, or wicked vine growers. And the verse 43 of that, uh, Matthew 21, is the watershed verse where it says, therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. He's talking to the Pharisees, talking to Israel. He said, it's gonna be taken away from you and given to a people or to a nation, some translations use the word nation, to a nation that producing the, that's producing the fruit of it. You see, there is fruit that the kingdom of God produces. God is the creator of all things, all things in the heavens and things in the earth. And before time, God created this heavenly realm. And he populated it with angels and celestial beings. And they stand and minister before the presence of God. One of these angels, Lucifer, and this is kind of just a recap. I'm going fast recap. It was Lucifer. Uh, He decides he's going to revolt against God. And as a result, what does God do? He casts him out of his presence. Lucifer is exiled from the heavenly realm. God then creates earth and he populates it with his ultimate creation, humans, man and woman. And he places them in this special place called the Garden of Eden. This Garden of Eden is representative of God's presence because God came down on a daily basis. He communed with man and woman, Adam and Eve, on a daily basis in the garden. They were in his presence. Tragically, Adam and Eve uh, follow the same path that Lucifer did and rebelled against God through disobedience. So what does God do? He exiles them from Eden. He puts them outside of his presence. Satan now begins to rule the earth. God says, I'm not done. He chooses a man by the name of Abraham. And he says that Abraham, you and your descendants, Israel... Uh, are going to, I'm gonna give you this land, it's called Canaan. Canaan is to be like the new Eden and the place where God's presence will dwell. And Israel was to show the world what it looks like when God is in charge and is Lord and King. Unfortunately, we know the story. Israel went the same way as Adam and Eve who went the same way as Satan And they rebelled against God and as a result they were exiled from Canaan. They were removed from the presence of God just like the angels and just like the first humans. But God's plan wasn't finished. He still wanted to bring his kingdom to earth and he did this in Jesus Christ and it is time that we stop waiting for the kingdom of God. It's here. It's not in its fullness, but it's here. You're a part of it if you are a believer. Jesus, and in, in Jesus, everything is fulfilled. He is the new Adam. He is the new Israel. Christians should not become a reflection of the nation that they live in. They should not become a reflection of the of the political party that they are a part of and that they vote for. They should not become a reflection of the world that they live in. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. It's what Jesus told the disciples. It was his prayer. They should reflect, however, God's kingdom into the nation. They should reflect God's kingdom into their occupation and career. These new graduates are gonna go on and do great things, but God's kingdom will be the main thing that they are to put forth and to perpetuate and to send out and be a part of, not just their occupation. They are to reflect God's kingdom principles into the political party that we are part of. We are to reflect God's kingdom principles, his light into the world that we live in. This world is dark. This world is in darkness. We must reflect the light of the kingdom of God into the darkness. So I ended last week with this question, what are you submitting, are you submitting to the lordship of Jesus? Jesus is the Lord, he is the king. Heaven and earth are his realm that he rules. He is king of both. When he was physically here on earth, he manifested what it would be like to be in the kingdom of God. To profess Jesus as Lord, what we are doing, we are renouncing all other kingdoms. We aren't just submitting to Jesus being the Lord of our religion. We aren't just committing to Jesus being the Lord of our Sunday morning experience. He is Lord when you walk out those doors and into the parking lot and get in your car and go home and you go, whatever you do this afternoon, he is Lord of that. He is Lord when you get up in the morning and you go to work. He is Lord at your work. He is Lord of your inner, your late night Internet browsing. He is Lord of your posts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and whatever social media you like. He is Lord of that. When we say Jesus is Lord, we are submitting to His Lordship of our entire being, everything about us, not just, well, I'm gonna, He's Lord of my religion. He's the Lord of Sunday morning when I go to church. No, he's Lord of everything, everything that you do. You guys know I quote Frank Viola a lot, and this is from his book. And I think I did read this last week. He says, to profess Jesus as Lord is to renounce nationalism and globalism. When the true gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed, it outrages the progressive left and it infuriates the conservative right. Right. Is Jesus your Lord of everything about you? Are you submitting every part of you, every part of your being to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are you living by his kingdom principles? Now, none of us are perfect. We all make these mistakes sometimes and we do things that, uh, and you know, I'll be just absolutely candid with you here that there are times that I am so sold out I'm singularly focused. And then there may be another day. I may wake up tomorrow and something happens and goes. My air conditioning, geothermal air conditioning that runs water through it to get heat and air, will spring a leak on a Saturday night before church on Sunday. And flex tape doesn't fix it. No matter what the guy on TV says. I wasn't sold out to God last night. Are you submitting every part of your life to his lordship? I want to read three passages of scripture to you that talk about the rule of Jesus. Luke 7 22, and he answered and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. Blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, why would Jesus say, well, and the poor have the gospel Because maybe they were ignored. You only were important if you had money. Acts 10, and that, by the way, that was when John sent some of his disciples, John was in prison, he sent some of his disciples back to Jesus and said, Would you ask him, is he the one, or should we look for another? And that was Jesus' answer. Acts 10, 38, Peter speaking, he says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And then Luke 4, 18 and 19, and then verse 21. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. These are what Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel again to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture, has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what the manifestation of the kingdom of God looks like? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The poor are considered important and they have the gospel preached to them. There is an anointing with the Holy Spirit and with power. What does the manifestation of the kingdom of God look like? People are going about doing good, doing good, healing the oppressed. God is following them, God is with them, God is in them, God is helping them. They're anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And I'm just recapping those things that I just read. They proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set free the oppressed, proclaim proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. When the kingdom of God comes, God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Now, remember, when Jesus was physically on the earth, he declared that the kingdom of God was in their midst, and these things were a manifestation of God's ruling presence. This is, these are the things that Jesus did, and you, said, you might say, Yeah, well, that's Jesus. Well, I, I think there's a scripture. I didn't look it up, but I, it says... Jesus said, these things will you do and greater than these will you do because I go to the father and I'm gonna send a special blessing to you. So God's no, Jesus is no longer physically here on the earth. So what do we do now? Well, when he returned to the heavenly realm, what did he do? He did something miraculous. He sent his spirit into his people. So that time the Spirit did not enter and dwell and live. It might fall on somebody, but it was not inside of them. His people, the ecclesia. It's a fancy Greek word for church, and it does not mean this building. It doesn't mean this building at all. But it is the body of believers, the community of. We are the ecclesia. We are the, one of the. Groups of people here in Choctaw that are the Ecclesia, but his people, the Ecclesia, were now the ones, we are the ones to manifest God's ruling presence in this world. Jesus isn't here. you are, I am. We are to love like Jesus loved. The Ecclesia is the very body of Christ or. God's presence in the earth. You might, that's sacrilegious, Brother Keith. No, it's the scripture. It's what the scripture tells us. We are Christ's representatives and we are his ambassadors here on earth. We have all the authority Christ had. He remains the king and we are his people and as his people, he demands... He doesn't ask for it. He demands our absolute, total, and complete sold-outness. I'm going to make up words like Pastor Jeff does. Our complete surrender to him. And also as his people, we have been. When there's something else that's special. We have been made partakers, according to 1 Peter 2 or 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, we have been made partakers of the divine, godly nature. And it is to the kingdom of God, the ecclesia that we give our allegiance to. So the question for you is this, what would our city look like if Jesus were in complete charge of it? If he were the king and all were in submission to him. So let's go back to our list. The sick would, I'm going to condense it. The sick would be healed. And I don't care if that comes miraculously or if that comes because there's a church in Edmond that sees a need for people who don't have insurance and need surgeries and I know this for a fact because I know someone that did this and got a complete and total hip replacement because they didn't have insurance, they couldn't afford it, and they hip replacement surgery. Now, I don't know. I would guess if, if, if we had to pay for that, that that's a 75, dollars $80,000, $100,000. Who in here can afford that? The sick would be healed. I don't care if it's miraculously or if medical needs are just simply taken care of. The poor are taken care of. The poor hear the gospel preached. We are anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And, I, and I, again, why Why the poor? Why, why were the poor specifically mentioned? Because Jesus knew that they, by um, virtue of their social status, would be left out. They're not important. They don't have any money. They don't support the church anyways. They don't have any money. No, everyone's important, folks. When, the, when, when we manifest the kingdom of God, we're saying everyone's important, everyone. Love would be the order of the day and forgiveness would reign When we say anointed by the Holy Spirit and power, he says, proclaim release to the captives. That that is forgiveness or pardon from sins. I forgive you. You're forgiven. Clothing and feeding the people. Peter said he went about doing good. He just went about doing good. It's pretty simple, folks clothing and feeding people, doing good deeds, going about doing good, heal and free the broken and hurting in this world, heal the oppressed, set free the oppressed. God's presence would then be the rule. Proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And that probably is an entire message by itself because what that entails is this year of Jubilee where that every 50 years, all debts were released. Uh, everybody was free. All slaves that were on were free. That's the whole other thing. Um, you would see the power of God overcoming the power of the enemy. When God is in charge, there is peace. There is justice. There is healing. There is forgiveness. There is compassion. There is reconciliation. There is love. The power of the enemy is to divide and destroy and negate the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the ecclesia but th- that we are trying to restore. Gone when the when the when the ecclesia, when the church is manifesting the presence of God, gone is racism, gone is sexism. Gone is injustice and hate and anger and crime and all the other works of the flesh. And what comes in is, we would call it the fruit. He said, I'm taking this away from you, told the Pharisees, and I'm giving it to a nation that's going to produce the fruit of it. What is the fruit? Love, joy, joy. Peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, all these things. This is the kingdom I want to be a part of. I am tired of this world and the division and the hate and the anger and the political unrest. It's time the ecclesia the people who are ruled by the king begin to usher in the gospel of the kingdom. You can't separate the king from his kingdom. And you cannot separate the kingdom from the kingdom society, the ecclesia. I rarely do this, but I want to I want to read a short one-page chapter if you'll indulge me. This little chapter's called The Signposts. Human kingdoms, human kingdoms, worldly, fleshly kingdoms, advance by coercion, force, and violence. But God's kingdom advances by forgiveness, suffering, stories, proclamation, demonstration and example. The kingdom of God doesn't move forward by slitting the throats of Romans nor by withdrawing from sinful society. It doesn't come by the extermination of the king's enemies but by the death of the king himself and the self-sacrifice of his followers. As we've already seen, the kingdom grows quietly, slowly and under the surface like yeast in a bowl of dough or seed inside of soil. The kingdom gains ground when the subjects of the king, the kingdom gains ground when the subjects of the king forgive, when they love and they bear the cross of the Lord. The miracles of Jesus were signposts of the kingdom, healing deaf people, symbolized hearing the truth with the ears of the heart. Healing the blind symbolized seeing the truth with the eyes of human spirit. Raising the dead symbolized newness of life. Amen. The signs and wonders that Jesus performed revealed that the God of creation was becoming king and that he is a good and benevolent king present in the mess of this world. Is this world in a mess? Absolutely. Absolutely. bringing forgiveness, peace, justice, liberty, and wholeness to all who submit to him. For the, 1 John 3 and 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whenever Jesus cast out a demon or healed an oppressed person, he was foreshadowing the ultimate defeat of Satan's kingdom at the cross where God would cut off the root of evil once and for all. When the ecclesia, that's us, folks. When the ecclesia continues the ministry of Jesus in the earth today, it is carrying on the same work. So how do you become a part of this kingdom? Becoming a member of the kingdom of God and the new nation of the ecclesia comes through two things, repentance and believing. Repent. It means to change one's mind and to sever the ties to one's old life, to one's old way of thinking and to one's old allegiances. Now you may be here this morning. You may say, well, I'm a Christian. I've repented. I've asked God to forgive me of my sins. Okay, but have you severed have you severed your ties to your old life? Are you still thinking like you used to think, doing like you used to do? It comes through repentance and through believing. Believe means to entrust oneself and to, the, to God and to the new Lord of this world, Jesus the King. When you, rep- when you repent from your old way of thinking and entrust yourself fully and completely to Jesus, and submit to his lordship you are born again you're born from above you're born of the heavenly realm you're born into the kingdom and you are made a part of the ecclesia the kingdom of god would you stand with me i have two invitations and, and these are I, i'm ask, I'm going to ask you to come forward one, this is the first invitation. If you have never, um, never understood this idea of becoming part of the kingdom of God, and you are interested in becoming a part of the kingdom of God, and you are ready to repent and sever your ties to your old way of life, and to believe that Jesus is Lord, and entrust yourself to him and him totally and completely. I'm going to ask you just to come forward. So there may not, I don't know who's here, but I want you to come forward. Now, the second is, if you have accepted the Lord and you've believed and you've repented, and, but yet you have held on to some of these old ties, these old this old way of thinking, the worldly way of thinking, the worldly way of doing things. If you have some of that still in you, as I, I we probably all do, let's just be honest with ourselves. We probably all do. I'm gonna ask you to come forward also. If you're still hanging on to some of those things that you know, (laughs) this isn't part of the kingdom of God. (laughs) This is part of the kingdom of the world that I'm living in. I want you to come forward. Okay? Anyone? Ron, I know you're here. Just any, you guys, Pastor Jeff, Stephen, come pray with Ron. Anyone else? You're hanging on to some things that you just know you shouldn't be hanging on to because they're not part of this Manifestation of God's ruling presence in this world. They're not part of healing. They're not part of of of, of releasing the oppressed. Pastor Jill, is, you know, I, I don't. I'm just. I'm making the invitation. I'm making the observation. I'm I'm making the the invitation for God. That's all I'm doing here. There's enough people in this congregation, this group, this church that. Uh, can pray with with you. Anyone else? All right. Well, when I pray, I want you guys that are here praying with these folks to pray with them and let's, let's release some of these things. Father, we come against the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness that this world represents. You have given us all authority. We are your representatives here on earth. We don't have to put up with all the mess. We invite you into it, God, your kingdom to come here and your will be done here as it is in heaven. Lord, help us, God, to repent of the things that we hold on to. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to be different. Help us to repent of continuing in our old way of thinking Lord, and, and, and just release us from that. Help us, Lord, to, to repent of our old uh, ties that we have and allegiances that we have. Lord, and, and release us from those and help us to be totally sold out, committed, and submitted to your lordship, not this world's ways. God, we believe that we are going to, we entrust ourselves to you, God, to you, Lord. And we ask you to forgive us for the distrust that we have. Jesus is King. Lord, your kingdom is here, but not yet. It will be one day completely and totally here. That'll be a glorious day. But until then, Lord, we as your body, we as your church, we as your representative, we work towards that. We don't do it through politics. We don't do it through social uh, ways. Those are all things that can be done. But Lord, we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it through doing good to people that we love and people that need our help. Help us to be that way, Father. Thank you, it in Jesus' name, amen. Please continue to pray up here, but I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to spend extra time this morning uh, to finish out what I wanted to say and uh, what I felt like God wanted me to say. And I, and I trust and pray that you've you're been blessed by it. And uh, I love you. Pastor Jeff loves you. Do you have anything? Okay. So uh, listen, it's great to have you here this morning. God bless you. Uh, take with you the ability to impact lives everywhere you go. Amen.